0: guys, welcome into your Thursday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a good show for you today, Uh, reeling it back into the Cleveland Browns realm after yesterday's episode with Jared Mueller where we spent time picking NFL division winners. Go check that out if you want to hear something not so Browns AFC North related, but hear about the rest of the NFL, which I will try to do an episode of the rest of uh, this calendar year and and try to give some thoughts on the rest of the league once a week, as this is obviously a daily pot as best I can do try to do that in, in some form or fashion, mix up the variety to break up the monotony, right? So uh, yesterday, like I said, was with Jared. I think we had some interesting things up on the website uh, that, that are they're that at least worth your attention in some form or fashion as far as uh, what's going on uh, surrounding the team. Uh, Corey Cannon put up a 2023 NFL mock, which he's going to do weekly, which is uh, tying in the Browns uh, obviously much later pick and, and, and kind of looking at the guys that could be interested at that point. And then they made a roster move. They signed Wyatt Miller uh, who had been most recently with the Panthers offensive tackle. And then they waived wide receiver Travell Harris. So those are the bigger moves. Those are what is up. And uh, Jack uh, Duffin put up his linebackers study in cash spending by position. So that is also out there for you. I promise I'm figure this out tonight. I'll have some all 22 thoughts from the Jags game up tomorrow morning and then if you have emailed me your email i will send out tomorrow morning the playback replay and the twitch show tuesday night where i did some all 22 analysis of the offense in the first half so i will send both of those things out i've got about 50 emails that have been sent to me if you still want to get in on that all you have to do is give me your email and i will throw that uh email into the list and try to get that out to you as well so That's what we have going content-wise. We have a fun episode today that I think is going to look at... It's actually going to be a really fun exercise. I I say this because I have paid attention to camp. John Colisimo, our guest, has also paid attention to camp. And what we're going to do is talk about people that we have perceived to be rising and falling. Now, I consumed the preseason game last Friday in Jacksonville. John had uh, busy stuff going on, family and work. He did not. So, really, John is... Going to talk from the perspective of what he's reading, studying, and and, and secondhand, uh, you know, thoughts that have been out there from people. He's going to collect those and give his people who he thinks, uh, based on perception, are rising and falling. I will uh, tie mine into obviously some breakdown of that Jags Browns game that I have done so far. So we'll kind of roll those two together, and then a reminder: the Browns start. Uh, they were off today, I believe. Yes, off today. They'll start joint practices the next two days with the Eagles and then play them Sunday at 1 o'clock. That'll be a nationally televised game, so check out Playback. You can join us for that game uh, and, and sit in and all that fun stuff that we did last week we will do again. Should be a much more interesting preseason game. With I know the Eagles have confirmed a lot of starters are playing. As we sit here recording this podcast at 9.53 on Wednesday night, uh, Deshaun Watson's news, although there are several rumblings, a lot of smoke about some sort of settlement being reached. Today there was a lot of noise. Maybe we get an answer. On Thursday, So you might be listening to this pod and already have an idea of what the NFL decision has made, but it feels like there has to be a decision made, especially by Sunday because running him back out there again, but also for the sake of the Browns and some key decisions that are looming. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. They have to have an idea of where cap space structure looks like this year and what it'll look like in the future how all of that intertwines and how it might be holding some things up. So like I said, we'll get to that stuff here in a little bit. Uh, We're going to be joined by John Colosimo right after this break.
1: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: So excited to have John on. Took a little bit of time. John, what's happening, man? How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Jake. Um,
2: you know, uh, summer's going fast. Um <laughs> Starting to get uh, a little cool in the mornings here. I'm I'm um, sprinting as fast as I can to finish my uh, brewery, fam cave in time for uh, football season. So that's what my main focus is on. But uh, I I have dug the cooler mornings here in the recent week or two.
0: It it noticed it. I said it to my wife today. Like it feels like fall out here. You know, it's not getting overwhelmingly hot. Summer just 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 a blink of the eye. It's over because you're really you're looking so forward to football season and you're like, I can't wait. And it's like, man, but then summer has gone. It kind of sucks. So you're always walking that tightrope between wishing time away and 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 then uh, and then also wanting it to be the season that you love the most, which, you know, most of us, if you're listening to this spot is probably football season. So let's do this. The exercise I explained before we came back from break ties into things you have heard perceived. And I explained your situation, explain mine. Uh, I'm going to give some of the th- the three guys who I think are rising, and then you can give me guys who perceptionally you think, based on reports, are rising as well. And you might agree with some of these, but these are guys that I have noticed. De'Anthony Bell is a-, a youngster who's having a really nice camp as a box safety. I think he's doing a fantastic job in the uh, in the preseason game. He had uh, he had a punch out fumble, which was really really enjoyable play to watch. There was a miscommunication on who was covering the flat and the stick, and I- I'm thinking it was his mistake uh, actually, but he actually, what he did so well is yeah, a mistake was made, but he was able to run underneath that, uh, you know, tight end who's former Ohio state tight end there. I think it was um, Farrell. Uh, he, he ends up punching that thing out, creating a turnover. So you love to see that. And then he made a nice cut in uh six yard TFL on a, on a simple down block scheme where he just beat the wide receiver to the point of attack he just plays very aggressively a reminder he's like six foot six one two fifteen two ten in that range plays a, a really nice down the line position in terms of up close now he's a rookie but he's 25 so he's older he uh, came out of west florida obviously very uh, under under <laughs> an under uh, evaluated type of player uh, but then following that in camp uh, i saw a seven on seven clip where he you know makes a great play jumps a slot route and, and picks off Jacoby reset. And it's, a, it's a pick six. It might've been Josh Dobbs. Actually, I think it was Josh Dobbs, but it seems like from everything I gather and his performance, he has been playing really well. So he is rising to me to the point that maybe he's not a 53 edge of the 53, but at least a practice squad guy with a real chance to, to come up and get some time in, in, in games. If injuries become a factor, Jerome Ford's my second one. I don't think it needs to be explained all too thoroughly. I've talked about it this week on comprehensive recaps, Uh, just again a really fluid looking running back in a system that i think seems to fit him well Uh, he had a little bit more burst than i was anticipating looks so comfortable running routes caught a touchdown caught a hitch that he turned into a 14 yard gain and i always talk about man if you can catch the football at any depth from zero to five and create 10 yards uh, on on a semi-regular basis you're going to be in the nfl for a long time those are Plays that that, that stand out like crazy. I mean, creating yards, and and I call it a phone booth, man. The NFL, everything's so compact. The athletes are so good. If you can make people miss in space, you are going to find long careers. And his ability that, to that run was one of the things and, Josh Gordon was yeah. fantastic at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. It's sneaky at that, man. Really sneaky mm-hmm. at that. But the ability just to make people miss and fall forward—that's uh, yep. what makes Nick and Nick and Kareem so good. And he's got—I uh, think he's got some of that. It's only been one game. I'll be interested to see him against some better competition, especially if Philly trots out their first group and he gets some run in that game. But uh, yeah, I think Jerome Ford has something, uh, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they develop him over time. And then I think Grand Delpit's been really good too. You just want Grand Delpit to continue to get reps. thought he was phenomenal doing what he was supposed to do, places he was supposed to be, run fits, uh, being all over the field, and, and, and that safety role the Browns play with their strong, where he is just a jack-of-all-trades, man, and they're using him all over the place. You gather from people like John Johnson, who's speaking so highly of him. I think Grant Delbert's performing really, really well, and I'm excited to uh, to see how he's used this year, kind of two years removed from an Achilles. You got to get a couple of years. Every guy who's ever had an Achilles tear uh, always says it takes a, a full calendar year, and then another year where you're kind of feeling it out, and then you you, you can hit the ground running the year after that. And It seems like he's in a position to have a really nice impact this year. So uh, I think Grant is fitting to be the third. There are some other uh, nominees here, like Brock Hoffman's come along and done really well, and some others that I have uh, noticed. Blake Hance has taken some nice steps this year. I thought he was really good in that preseason game. But um, I'm curious to see what you have heard and seen and read and perceptually think about some other names if I didn't mention them.
2: Yeah, I I think it's more on the defensive end as well. You know, um, Emerson and Green, um, who I, you know, I think that um, we had decent uh, opinions of coming in, uh, but it seems like, you know, just in general, this DB group looks really good. Um, And yeah, I mean, uh, Green seems to pop up on just about every report and uh, Emerson obviously played well in the game and... Uh, has popped up in in a few, um, which I wasn't sure how quickly he'd catch on. So those are my main big ones. I mean, uh, the I would love to see Elliot, who reportedly is three twenty, which you know that's that's wild to me. Um, I would never have thought uh, he could get that big and and do much of anything. Um, three twenty is just far. Far bigger than um, I thought he was capable of. So, um, But he was still know.
0: moving well, preseason game. I mean, he didn't grade out well, but I don't know how, I don't know what he did that didn't involve him grading well. I, listen, man, we're, and this is a different conversation, but I just don't know, PFF's interior grading is really weirding me out lately. Like, I think it can be really, it can be decent, but then there are times where I'll watch a player, especially defensively, and be like, you know, he played his run fit. He was fine. He didn't get driven off the football. I don't really understand what the complaint is here. And he grades out like a 46, and I'm like, he created a couple pressures. He had this gorgeous uh, – he he tried to hit a swim and then and then cut, got cut off and hit a spin move, and I'm like, that's the most active he's ever been and got on to uh, Trevor Lawrence, almost made a sack, strip sack. And it's like, I didn't – uh, I just I didn't I don't know I didn't I didn't expect talk to John to lately lovely. at
2: all about that
0: I, I haven't and like it's not like I'm isolated to being the only person thinking this like Andrew Whitworth has been ripping them uh, like crazy about some of their interior grades and especially like there'll be a guy for example Trevor Penning was this is this rookie in, in New Orleans and he was just abysmal in pass protection but he had a nice run blocking game and they gave him like a 90 overall grade yet he gave <laughs> up like six pressures something and it's like well okay you can be a nice run blocker but if you can't pass block you're almost borderline unplayable so how is that that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense especially how you would value yes exactly it's it's strange so i have a hard time you know some people lean into these grades and like i I, i'm in i'm in i I think i have a ton of people watching a ton of players but the way they arrive at some of these grades and, and especially knowing that you know, the only thing coverage guys get graded for is if the ball is in their direction. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So if a guy anchors backside and and takes away the quarterback's eyes because he cuts off a post, you know, like he doesn't get a grade, like a a, a positive boost grade. I don't know. It's just strange. I'm not trying to complain. Football is so hard to quantify, and I think they do a decent job of it. But there are some times lately – there's work to um, do. We're still right. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't understand that grade. Like it just doesn't add up. So to your point on Elliot, I thought he was pretty good in the first game. They didn't grade him out very well, but I don't know. I thought he was, I thought he was fine, but uh, keep going. Anyone else? No, I, I mean, I think that's it for the,
2: um, for my up guys. Um, you know, I just, I think we're doing a, a pretty damn good job in that DB room, which, you know, that's, that's a great place to be doing well in. you know, um, but that's it for my up, guys. Uh, do you have down guys that you want to
0: I do. I thought Ben Petrula is a guy they gave a, a decent amount of money to. Uh, UDFA at a Boston College. I could be wrong on this, so someone can correct me if they want. I think he was who they gave the most guaranteed dollars to as a UDFA. And I thought he was... Um, I thought he was just looked like he didn't belong in the NFL. At least as a tackle. He gave up... Four pressures in this one in like 38 snaps, 35 snaps, something. Actually, Ben might have played 43. I think he was the only one over 40 on offense. He had two holding penalties, uh, one of which nullified a touchdown uh, on a run. Another one was uh, deep in his own territory that put them back 10 yards. And he just was pretty bad. And um, I thought he uh, continued to, to follow the trend of some clips I've seen from camp i just don't think he belongs the other two are kind of easy uh well i'll look the, the first two are easy schwartz is the other one i mean i don't know what you can say yeah. i think i'm not writing the guy off i i would be stunned and i really do mean this i'd be stunned if the browns let him go especially considering now they had a deep wide really? receiver room and a bunch of guys who were you know dudes i would be like okay i could i could see it but to let a third round pick go after just one year because he has a rough training camp in year two is a bit much for me. And I know it doesn't miss me that he did not have a very good rookie year, uh, but I thought he had moments in his rookie year where I thought he looked like he was starting to belong, especially late in the year. So I saw a nice video of him tracking a deep ball, catching it in the end zone, retweeted that the other day. And can he make strides because he's, his stock is down. It's as low as it's been. He's, he's clearly going through the yips, just, just generally catching the football. And, um, you know, he's not a route nuance guy anyway. So there's some of that uh, issue as well. So it's like, okay, if you're going to be a deep ball guy, you better track it and you better be able to catch it when the opportunity lands in your hands. And I don't think it's a secret that stocks down on him, but I do think they'll give him the year and a chance to define his role. and, And I just would be, I'd be pretty stunned if they let him go. And then the other one for me was Chase Winovich who I just haven't heard anything great about and and, and again reading camp reports and catching clips here and there it just seems like he's just a guy And, and again that could be okay but like Isaac Rochelle and Isaiah Thomas stood out a little bit more in that first preseason game I thought Winovich was supposed to be a guy to bring more pass rush juice and I just didn't get that vibe he actually I thought set the edge better than he handled pass rush stuff but I'm also struggling with like this this guy like looked kind of badass in New England. He had this long blonde hair, and I thought he played fast. And I thought his body looked really good and in shape. And I don't know that he looks as physically fit as he did in New England. He could be trying to put on some bulk. I am not sure. Maybe he's gonna uh go into a cutting phase soon. Maybe he was bulking phase and now he's coming to cutting. I don't know. He's also wearing number sixty nine, and I get the joke about it. I understand, but like that's not aesthetically a great defensive end number. So <laughs> No, I'm definitely. just a little worried about chase Winovich being a guy that's going to really a make the roster and B can like fill this tack McKinley role. That was pretty vital. And the year before that, Olivier Vernon, Um no, it wasn't Olivier Vernon. It was someone else. Who am I forgetting? Um uh, uh, Adrian Claiborne, that role, yes, like the, yes. the first <laughs> rotational edge. Uh, I'm just not sure about that with Winovich. So, Um, those, those are three that have caught my eye and I've paid attention to literally, you know, written words and and some things I've seen in the first game. Did you have anybody that stood out in that regard?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to pile on, but you know, obviously, um, like, yeah, I think that like coming into this year, when you're really talking about the Browns, um, one of the wild cards was this wide receiver room and, um, you know, just in a general sense, um, We needed to hear some good news from these guys, and we're not hearing it yet. You know, whether it's Bell, whether it's uh Schwartz, whether it's DPJ, we're just not getting the kind of good news that you would want to see. Um, you know, if you asked me, and I think you had, um, you know, on previous podcasts where Mm -hmm. you know some of the big swings could come, the big swings could come from that wide receiver room, um, outside of Cooper, which you know, look. When it comes to you know, um, I'll tell you right now. Like when it comes to camp reports and that kind of stuff, I blow right through like kind of known players, right? Like I don't yeah. read anything. I don't. I don't care about Jacoby Brissett no uh, news because I know who he is. Uh, I don't care about um, Watson news mm-hmm. really because I know who he is. Um, so when when you have these guys that have been in the league, I, I just don't care very much. Uh, Chase, you know. That's that is somebody to pay attention to, even though he has been in the league. Because you know that's not necessarily what I would call a proven commodity or um, that kind of stuff. But um, I blow right through those types of things when I when I look at camp reports. I just don't care. Um, the, you know, and, and Cooper is one of those things. I mean, I just, you know, I'm going to need to see him in games. I I do recognize there's things to look for in terms of how he's going to perform on grass and outdoors and, and all these types of things and, and just his trajectory and that kind of stuff. But, but it's all kind of minor now, these young guys, which we have below Cooper, in the, uh, in the wide receiver room, like, you're looking for some good news to hear. And we're not hearing that. Like, DBJ was a camp hero last year, you know. Everybody yeah. was very high on him. I'm, I'm not hearing the same things from him, um, you know. Uh, and Schwartz, again, like, um, I will say, like, all right, like – I don't want to get too deep into this like analogy, but what I'll say is like, I've always had a problem with him tracking the ball and yes. like how I can kind of relate that is all right. Like, you know, I I play pickup basketball, or whatever, um, you know, in my, in my lifetime, uh, a, a good portion. I'm five, seven, Jake. I'm not a big dude. All right. <laughs> I, I have always rebounded well above my, um, my height. And the reason is like you see the angles, uh, you know, you can track where the ball is going to go. You can put your ass in the right place and uh, and get a rebound where you shouldn't. You know, like in the same kind of sense, like, I, you know, I don't know how learnable and I've said this. And I've got an arguments on Twitter with people on this. I don't know how learnable that kind of skill set is. Either you can understand where the ball is going to go based on where you see it. Or you don't. And um, that's always been my worry with that. He, I just didn't think he tracked the ball well. And uh, I, hope that, um, I hope that that is more a perception. But I actually don't think it's a learned thing. Like you can get better at route running and, and things like that. But if you get to the NFL level and you can't track a ball well, I actually don't I don't think like, you know, a thousand balls on the jugs machine is going to actually help you with that. If you if you're not seeing it like that, unless you've got like something where, you know, you uh, you need to get LASIK or something to correct some eye stuff. um, I I don't see that as a very like practicable, improvable skill. And I know there's people who would argue that. Um, But that's me. All right. So I am very worried about that. I don't see anything good coming out of the wide receiver room. And that's somewhere where we really kind of needed a swing. So um, those that's my biggest thing outside of, you know, the center position, just um, having some injury, bad luck and those types of things. Like, you know, um, we said, like, I think last time we were on, like, I feel like the negatives are probably a little bit more impactful or something that you could kind of really actually draw something good from. Uh, not good, but uh, draw something uh, more substantial uh, from in the preseason and camp than um, really good performances. And I may be wrong or right on that, but that's just kind of how I view it right now. And um, we're not hearing the good things out of the wide receiver room.
0: It's, it's nerve-wracking. You'd, you'd honestly put David bell i mean like you, you how could his stock be anything other than down he hasn't participated yep. in enough he hasn't played in a game and it doesn't matter really i mean it does matter i mean you, you as a rookie you need every single especially a third round rookie you need every single rep you can get especially if you want to be a week one contributor it might not Four-ten matter that last year too right yeah, i mean that was exactly the big thing too. It's, it's getting your
2: your foot shot when you're like trying to start a marathon like exactly it's not like
0: the, yeah. You need those reps mentally physically and it's like um and really getting used to the speed of the game and all of that. So I I he could do fine the next two games and it could all be okay, but at this point as we sit here on August 17th, you're like a little bit worried about a guy some people try to pencil in as a really important player. We'll be able to tell about Schwartz whether the Browns think the long-term tracking ability can alter uh, you know, uh, it, whether they keep him or not for a while. The thing that's making me nervous is like, okay, I get it. The deep tracking could be tr- tricky, 50 yards downfield running full speed. Maybe that's something he never gets great at, but you got to catch a slant. I mean, the first one's a mis- yeah. mis- catch on a slant. The second one's a scramble drill where he's kind of coming back toward the quarterback about 15 yards away. Like, you got to catch those simple things. If you can't catch those simple things, that's where we're all in this stage. At least for me, it's not fire him, cut him. You know, everybody wants to do that, but right. I'm like, that's what I'm you know, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like I'm, like I'm now concerned. I thought, okay, it's fine, we'll figure it out. I'm concerned, so hopefully that rectifies. And that kind of ties into our next point. So let's, um, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to close on a topic that I think has a lot of relevance to the situation uh, hanging over the Browns' head right now. We'll be right back after quick break. Word from our sponsors. So John and I were talking about this a little off air, and I wanted to bring this into the show because I think it, I think it matters to philosophically think about where the Browns are. I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, Mina Kimes and uh, Bill Barnwell went through the AFC North and they talked about Cleveland and they were like, as convinced as could possibly be about this idea of trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think Jake Trotter even talked to Barnwell. He said uh, in his uh, and Barnwell show and had mentioned that if it is a longer than six-game suspension for Watson, that they are going to seriously entertain bringing in uh, Garoppolo, which I have gone over this, what I would do with a similar trade to Baker Mayfield where the, do the 49ers pay a substantial portion of it. We've gone through what that trade would look like. But to me, there's more than that. I know, John, you talked about some of the things Joel Batonio said about J.C. Treader possibly being um, you know, blackmailed here, blackballed from the NFL uh, because of many things, his role, whatever um I'll let you riff on that in a second but like from that with Treader and it's like okay so we're all looking at this we see the injury to to, to Harris we saw Dawson Deaton again Dawson Deaton only played three snaps Friday so that might not have mattered to their to what their picture of the position in 22 is but injury to Harris pretty easy consideration to say well hey man the Browns are sitting here with Um, a league leading $47 million and that's air quotes. It's not like, okay, I got to make this clear. They have $47 million in, in free cap space right now, August 17th for the 2022 football season. It's not like that money sitting in the corner of an office in Berea and they can just pull $1,000 stacks off of it and pay $8 million to a guy. Like That's not how it works. That money is tied into a lot of different things. If you look at the Browns, they're one of the best, not the best, but the highest active spending teams in the league. So that cap space they have created and manipulated is oftentimes tied into void years. For the future, it's tied into being a rollover way to pay off those void years, and it's tied into guys' salary cap numbers jumping And being able to fit those numbers in because maybe your number uh, total salary goes from 220 to 240 for a year and you can fit those guys in and then you can manipulate later. There are so many, um, uh, you know, think of a, a hub and there's all these branches that go off in different directions. They have a lot of moving parts with that money, but they can do some things. And we're talking about multiple things, John. This Treader idea, which I think is logical, and then it's like, okay, well, we all see the wide receiver issues. We all see one Cooper injury away from being in, 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 uh, you know, hellfire again, the way they were last oh, yeah. year. We oh, yeah. see that they could potentially make a deal for Garoppolo and, and handle some portion of his cap number. Is it all tied? Like, do you think it's all tied to Watson? Like, if 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 Watson gets suspended twelve games. They're like, okay, we're kind of going to punt on this season. Let's not get crazy. Uh, thought process, or it could be the other way. He gets twelve games. Let's move for Garoppolo. I guess it's like, do you think it's all tied? Because we're all sitting here. We're not the smartest people in the world. We can see the needs, wide receiver, especially uh, potentially maybe a better quarterback than than, than Brissett, and then and then obviously J.C. Treader. Like, do you think it's all tied to they get this decision on? Watson tomorrow and then a bunch of moves are made or do you think they really are just going to sort of a Watson decision is made and we're going with percent and we're going to roll into this thing and push it down the line and keep our plan in place cuz that's something i've been fascinated with is the NFL's dragging their feet here in a in a sense uh dragging their feet and it's like okay if the browns are really waiting on this and I'm sure, just like the draft, they have it written on the board. Here's what we're going to do at six. Here's what we're going to do yep. at eight. Here's what we're going to do at 10. Here's Simulations. We're do at 12. 100%. Yep. So, like, I guess I'm asking for what you expect. Do you think if the Watson... I have put the baseline at 12 games. I I cannot see a way they they don't appeal this suspension and move it to less than 12 games because that also covers the Texans game that there's been buzz about forever. They don't want him involved in. So I'm operating under the idea it's 12 games to an indefinite year-long suspension. So do you think they're going to make some moves after this or should we all expect them to just sort of sit tight and and, uh, play it out? I guess I'm asking for your hunch on that.
2: Yeah, I I very much um, think it is um, 100% hinged on that. Uh, when you think of the quarterback position and how they evaluate that um, from a war perspective, uh, you know, wins over replacement, The um, for guys that aren't um, um, used to that stat, because they do play it close to the vest in terms of like P- PFF and stuff, it's not really readily available, but... The quarterback position is such a huge swing in in wins over replacement that um, I think that, um, yes, I, I think it really is tied to this. And I would expect the Browns to um, have a lot of these situations already figured out, like you said, the permutations of uh, what they could do at different positions given what opportunities they have. Um, yeah I think once the Watson decision comes down whatever that might be um, the Browns have a lot of money invested in competing um, so I don't think that they're gonna hang tight outside of a you know you know I wouldn't even say like even if he's gone for a year then then that just might the make the Jimmy Garoppolo move a little bit more. Um, of a priority for them, so yeah, I do think like it's a is a big thing for them to get a, a lot of things sorted out. As soon as you find out how many games you're going to have Watson for, then you can talk about how important is the center position, how important is making a move to get a different quarterback because we absolutely know who uh, Jacoby Brissett is. We absolutely know who every other quarterback on this roster is. Um, Dobbs, there's there's really not any kind of mystery. Um, in terms of who they have so once you know what you have in Watson um, in terms of the 2022 season uh, I think that all the dominoes fall from that whether it's JC whether it's um, you know an extra wide receiver for the room what level of right receiver might you be willing to bring in um, how much of a drastic move you might be able to make at quarterback in terms of Jimmy G because that is you know that is relatively drastic. You know, going and trading for Jimmy G is, um, you know, that's a, a hefty um, stopgap move. Right? It's uh, nothing to be sniffed at. So yeah, um, quarterback, wide receiver, center. Um, I think all of these things do flow off of the um, Watson decision. And I, and I, you know, you might be right. Um, I, you know. I've heard all the same things as you have uh, regarding the Texans game. That's still never made any sense to me um, why that would be a big deal, Uh, but you keep hearing about it. And so you have to give weight to it. So uh, do I think that they would settle for like an extra two games? Because obviously um, Watson's team has floated like this. We'll accept eight games. Um, And it feels like this weird little uh, half open negotiation about what will and won't be accepted, um, 12 games, uh, eight games, 10 games, whatever the case may be. But, you know, to answer your question, yes, I think all the dominoes fall off of how long you're going to be without Watson and especially, yeah. you know, um, you know, in terms of whether you're going to have him at all and how many games you might have, uh, to get him ready for a playoff run, um, in that regard. So that's how I would answer it.
0: Okay. We'll close with this. You got, you gotta, you gotta be short here. I'm talking like you can say yes and maybe a sentence or no. And maybe a sentence, I even might even say, don't say a sentence. If actually keep it tight, just, would you do this or would you not do it? Watson comes out tomorrow, suspended 12 games. Would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo this year? Uh,
2: for the Baker deal, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the caveat. Like you get the 49ers, maybe you pay 8 million of that 25. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So All right. yes, I would do it. Good. Good enough. And then lastly, are you going out and signing a veteran wide receiver at this point, considering everything he's at 12 games and that player's going to, you know, it's just going to eat straight money off your rollover. Are you going to go out and sign Do you think you need to go out and sign a guy? Can, again, you got to consider this is, week two of the preseason on Sunday, he's going to have a week to ramp up and then another week. That's a bye week in between the first game. But is it so dire that you just have to go get a body that can do this and be on the 53 and down the line, be worth it? Or do you think that that at this point, the ship has sailed and it's gone too far given what's on the market right now?
2: um, I would say, first of all, a move for a wide receiver I think is necessary Um, The type of wide receiver, the level of wide receiver in terms of dollars, um, the capabilities of that type of receiver highly depends on the guy that's thrown to him. So I am playing a wait and see with the wide receiver room, but uh, with the 100 percent caveat that I'm bringing somebody else in.
0: Love it. He's John Colasimo. This has been a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I do hope this timeline moves forward with the Browns and we can see the first domino eventually fall here that leads to giving us some hints about what they're going to do by week one. So uh, this is a fun show. John, thanks for stopping by, man. No problem, man. Always a pleasure. Guys, that's a wrap for today. Thanks to John for stopping by and you for stopping by and checking out this episode. We will be back for a Thursday weekend kickoff show. Check that out with me and Andrew Spade on Thursday, Thursday night. you're listening to this on thursday it would be tonight for you so come on by should be a fun uh, episode and then a good weekend into the browns sunday 1 p.m kick so appreciate you guys and your time and being here always appreciate you checking out this podcast means the world to me makes it worth it thanks again have a great thursday guys and go browns
1: i'm mark chapman welcome